Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You know, we'll talk about this a lot afterwards. We'll have questions and stuff. Back in October, a group of do-gooders with big ideas met up on a rooftop in Philadelphia. They were there to go over their plan to help vaccinate their city against COVID. But this was also a young crowd, a bunch of 20-somethings. So it's not like it was all business. Please drink the alcohol. There's a bar in the background that is kind of waiting. Once once the presentation's over, everyone's going to have a drink. I asked Nina Feldman, a reporter at the local public radio station, to walk me through a recording of this meetup. She says the person to keep your eye on here is a guy named Andre DeRoshan. He's the one at the front of the crowd. And he is standing there with a big screen that a PowerPoint is being projected onto. All right, everybody ready to party? DeRoshan runs an organization called Philly Fighting COVID. Their logo is a boxer with a face shield. That is a Rocky reference. DeRoshan is also just 22 years old. All right, buddy, so welcome once again to DeRoshan's 15. That's the joke. Go f*** yourself. Um, At the very beginning, he calls them DeRoshan's 15, which I think is a reference to the 15 people who are there. So he's like, we're Ocean's 11 for vaccines. Yes, yes. <laughs> Not too much ego there. Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole thing had sort of a clubhouse vibe. Over the course of an hour, DeRoshan and his colleagues laid out their scheme. We will literally have to move heaven and earth to get this vaccine to people. Remember, this is back in October. Actual vaccines didn't exist yet. So this meetup, it was a little bit of a thought experiment. There were maps and satellite images to show traffic flow and parking availability. When I say that this is the largest logistical operation ever ta- undertaken by our species, there's no hyperbole bit hi- hyperbole there. This literally is the largest logistical operation ever undertaken by human beings getting this vaccine to people. And, and then he sort of slips in, here's how we're getting paid. Yeah. And <laughs> it's it's funny because he he almost yells it. Now, this is the juicy slide. How are we getting paid? We're going to be billing insurance companies. That's that's startup culture right there. You know, he's both excited about doing a good thing for the world and for the city and trying to get us closer to being able to reopen and have life be back to normal and save lives and be able to get a pat on the back for having saved lives. And he wants to build a successful company. Spoiler alert. Philly fighting COVID was not a successful company. It dispensed vaccines for just a couple of weeks before the Department of Public Health cut ties with them. Knowing what you know now, how do you look back on this video? I think it's one thing to make a plan, and it's another thing to actually do it. You know, Philly fighting COVID was just plan after plan after plan, and the story of this group is is them not following through on uh, on many of those. 
and it just sort of feels like, you know, slide after slide of omens of what's to come. Today on the show, the coronavirus vaccine rollout is going wrong all over the country. There are already 20 million doses that are simply missing, untraceable. The story of what happened in Philly is an example of just how many ways vaccine distribution can go wrong. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The company known as Philly Fighting COVID started out in an almost heartwarming way. It was one of those neighbors helping neighbors stories that you'd hear back at the beginning of the pandemic. Andre DeRoshan, the founder of Philly Fighting COVID, and a couple of friends started 3D printing face shields for hospitals that were short on PPE. A couple of months in, Philly Fighting COVID pivoted and started testing people in underserved areas. I heard about Philly Fighting COVID when I was uh, doing a story about um, Philadelphia's testing rates. And I was trying to kind of take an inventory of all the different places around town that were doing really low barrier, um, accessible coronavirus testing. Um, So, you know, no insurance needed, um, no appointment needed, no referral, no symptoms, um, which Philadelphia is actually fares quite a bit worse for those for access to that type of testing um, than other East Coast cities. So you're talking about an organization that kind of evolved, like it went from doing what I think a lot of us heard about early on, which is, you know, making PPE, like everyone and their mother was doing that. And then they kind of just got bigger and bigger. That's right. They grew, they expanded, they... You know, and and making PPE and just sort of donating it versus operating a testing site, those are two really different things. And I think they expanded and grew to be able to have the capacity to do that. Even with no healthcare experience, they became like a, a pretty operational testing site. It was when Philly Fighting COVID helped launch Philadelphia's community vaccination program that Nina started seeing their philanthropic facade crack. The organization had been chosen to give shots to unaffiliated healthcare workers, people who don't work in a hospital, like home health aides. The organization set up a huge clinic in the Philadelphia Convention Center, and then they invited the press to a big announcement event. It was exciting. It was this big moment up until then. We knew people were getting vaccinated, but it was it was people just at hospitals. And this was the first time that it was still just healthcare workers who were getting vaccinated, but it was happening in the community. And so you had the mayor and the deputy health commissioner and a handful of city council members, you know, standing in front of a podium in the in the convention center alongside Philly fighting COVID, sort of announcing this was this big first mass vaccination clinic. And you know, it felt hopeful. It felt like, okay, there's a system in place for this. But pretty soon, hearing DeRoshan talk, 
little things he was saying started making my ears perk up. I've been I'm a health reporter. I've been reporting on the pandemic for, you know, since it started. And he just made a couple of claims that were were patently not true. He claimed to be doing half of the city's testing at one point, And the numbers he gave f- to support that just didn't match up with what half of the city's testing numbers would be. Um, and you knew it immediately. Yeah. I, and, and you know, I thought, OK, maybe that was a mistake. And after the press conference, um, I asked somebody, you know, how much does this cost a day to run? Because the entire thing had really been framed as a public-private partnership where this, you know, group was doing the actual vaccinations, but it was a city-partnered event. And that's a totally normal question to ask at a public event. You know, how much is this going to cost? And everybody kind of shrugged it off and said, oh, you have to ask Andre. You have to ask Andre. And I thought, that's weird. So I went and asked Andre, you know, how much does this cost? And he wouldn't tell me. And I said, you know, why isn't this a public event? Isn't this city money? And he said, no, it's my money. I'm paying for this whole thing. Um, Hmm. And he wouldn't tell me how much it cost. And when I pried a little bit more, he said, I'll tell you, it's the price of a really nice Mercedes. And just the (laughs) secrecy and the fact that the city wasn't paying for this whole thing and that it wasn't bound by any sort of contract, which meant there was less oversight. All of that just seemed if nothing else, like worth looking into more, doing a profile of this organization, if not if not suspicious. But I have to say my spidey senses went up and um, that was when I started digging. Nina found the CEO of Philly Fighting COVID, Andre DeRoshan. He'd said he was a filmmaker and a real estate investor, an entrepreneur. But those claims were a little spurious. For instance, the Rancho Mirage Film Department he said he'd founded, that was at his high school and the nonprofit had started to improve air quality, it had failed. And then Nina found that Philly fighting COVID was having trouble of its own. A nurse she tracked down, Debbie Flamholtz, had just left the organization out of frustration. Yes, Debbie was somebody who was often, as she described it, on the testing site, the only one or one of very few people who had any sort of clinical healthcare experience. Um, she was surrounded by a lot of volunteers who were college kids, some of them, you know, pre-med, but many of them not even. Um, Hold it. So at a testing site, you would have non-medical people there doing the work? Yes. There, it, there has to be either a doctor or a nurse practitioner uh, on site, and there was, and then Debbie would sometimes be the only other person uh, with clinical experience there. So the people sticking the swabs up your nose were just volunteers, potentially. Correct. And the people who are taking down your information and registering it, which might not sound like the most, you know, clinical of medical procedures, and, and it's not, but... There are certain practices within the medical field that are standard, that are understood to be incredibly important, um, having to do, for instance, with patient privacy. And that was something that Debbie described to me seeing being handled very carelessly and without those priorities at all. What happened when she spoke up about this? So she would have a site supervisor who she described as disengaged, uh, often distracted, sometimes asleep. These are not people who are necessarily doing a ton of oversight uh, for 
that type of due diligence. So um, she described speaking up about it, asking questions about it and being being brushed off with, uh, you know, don't worry about it. That attitude from Andre and the, the higher ups that was just sort of like, why are you worrying about this? Don't don't stress me out. You bringing this up is just stressing me out. You've written that one of the early warning signs about this organization, it came when Philly Fighting COVID pivoted from running test sites to talking about vaccine sites. What happened as they started to think through that change that started to raise red flags? So Andre DeRoshin had the idea that he would start, his organization would start helping with the vaccination distribution effort in Philly a lot later than they actually started. He thought they would start, you know, phase two when it really became this heavy lift where the city needed help vaccinating the general public. But what happened was the city tapped his group way earlier than expected. And, you know, they abandoned their entire testing operation. They had testing sites. Like they just stopped running them? Yeah, They had sites set up. They had dates set up with community members in predominantly black and Latino neighborhoods in Philadelphia that were depending on these groups to test their community members. And they canceled or they pulled out. In some cases, they just didn't show up with a half an hour notice. They said they weren't coming. We talked to community members who you know, describe being just totally ghosted by them. Even at the convention center when Andre DeRoshin was talking about his, the, the the group's credibility as a testing organization and how they got there to be the city's vaccine partner for this operation, he talked about how they were opening up more testing sites and how they were going to start doing free rapid testing for the entire city. Was that true? No, little did anybody know at that point he was in the process of or had already canceled testing operations for the entire organization. They also sent an email basically letting their entire testing staff go the day before those those folks were supposed to show up at testing sites saying we have we have to focus on vaccine distribution. We're so sorry. We're not scheduling you for any shifts. If you already had shifts shifts scheduled, they've been taken off the schedule. It was a 180 pivot. Did Andre DeRoshin explain himself at all? Like when you call a community group and say, we're just not going to show up to do testing, how do you explain that? They explained themselves to the community members by saying that the city had tapped them to do vaccination efforts and this was more important. And one of the community groups that we talked to about that said, you know, they did actually offer to do the event that they had planned with us, but do vaccines instead of tests. But this is a predominantly black neighborhood in Philadelphia, who's and that's the group that they were going to be serving. And the community leaders who were organizing the event said, listen, our folks aren't ready for that yet. There's a lot of hesitancy mm-hmm. here about the vaccine. You know, testing is the is what our community is saying that they need. That's what we want to do. And they said that DeRoshan told them that he didn't believe in testing anymore, that it just caused panic, that it wasn't <laughs> relevant to uh, heading off the virus at the pass anymore. The vaccine was the, was the tool that um, people needed to rely on. And my fellow reporters and I asked DeRoshan about this, and he said he never would have said that. They must have misinterpreted him. But we had a number of people who were in the room who recounted that happening. So, okay, 
Listening to you, it feels like there are ample warning signs that Philly Fighting COVID is maybe not the best organization to get additional responsibilities in the city. But it seems like the Department of Health didn't know about any of this, and they moved forward with contracting with this group to distribute vaccines in January. Are there any good indicators about why they made that decision? That's the biggest question that everybody's asking right now is how how exactly did this happen? What we do know is that there wasn't an official contract between the city and Philly Fighting COVID to distribute vaccines. And that's because Philly Fighting COVID was not receiving any money from the city. The city hadn't gotten any of the federal funds to help with vaccine distribution yet. I think there's something really important that you said there, which is you talked about there being no contract. And so it seemed, I mean, from your description, it seems to me like the city didn't have the support they needed or the money they needed to do a more formal arrangement that someone who had done this before might require. And so in that vacuum, here comes this very young organization that just wants the opportunity to get their hands on some vaccine. Right. I think, you know, the PowerPoint presentation that we saw Andre give on the rooftop is a pretty shiny, attractive plan for a city that says, hey, we need to get these unaffiliated healthcare workers vaccinated fast. This group looks like they have a plan. Let's just go with them and get this moving. I mean, that's a little bit of speculation because we don't exactly know what the process was. But I think, you know, it kind of makes sense. There's this enormous urgency for everybody in the city to get vaccinated. Along comes a group with a plan and you say, all right, let's let's work with them. They they seem as good as anybody else. I think, you know, one question that a lot of people are asking right now is, though, why not choose somebody else? It's not like this group was the only option. Philadelphia is a renowned meds and eds town. We have four major medical institutions within city limits. Um, you know, the health commissioner never explicitly asked one of them to man this type of clinic. He says, you know, they probably would have said no because they were vaccinating their own staff and they were dealing with COVID case spikes. But, um, you know, it's unclear if those conversations happened in any detail. There's also a, um, a a group that has been doing, being really proactive in testing the African-American community in Philly called the Black Doctors COVID-19 Consortium, which a lot of people thought it was, you know, they were a natural fit f- to do a clinic like this at the convention center. They've gained an enormous amount of trust among the community, especially among uh, the black community. And um, the fact that they were passed over has a lot of people scratching their heads because they seemed like they would have been a very logical fit. And one, you know, a group made up of medical practitioners with years and years of experience versus uh, a bunch of self-described college kids. When we come back, the fallout. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Philly fighting COVID had been vaccinating people at the city's convention center for a couple of weeks before the city cut ties. Officials cited an issue with the company's privacy policy and its quiet pivot from nonprofit to for-profit status. But the announcement that Philly fighting COVID no longer had the backing of Philly came as a surprise. Yeah. So the final day at the convention center, they did not know was going to be their final day. And, you know, I have multiple sources talking about the final hour or half hour of the of the evening um, with those leftover doses. You had people who were not supervised who were not licensed or properly accredited to be administering vaccines, basically just like injecting each other with it. And at the end of the day, a nurse I spoke with who was volunteering on site saw as Andre DeRoshan walked across the room from where his stuff was over to the vaccine area, pocketed a few of them. Um, She wasn't sure how many. She guessed maybe 10 to 15 and put them in his bag with the CDC registration cards that go along with them and left. And um, later that night, there was a a photo that had circulated on Snapchat of DeRoshan in a private residence, syringe in hand, you know, appearing to be about to or having just administered the vaccine just to a friend. So um, he's not a nurse. He's not a doctor. He's not a nurse. He's not a doctor. He's a guy. Taking those off site is, you know, against CDC protocol. It's against city protocol. You know, city policy is any unused doses should be returned to the health department. And, you know, he at first he denied having done this at all. And then he later admitted to it and said he took four doses. And he then further later admitted to it and said that he gave one of them to his girlfriend. But that was it. But he also, you know, he stands by the decision. He says he would he would have done it again. They were going to go to waste. And there was no reason for him not to have done it. Part of the problem to me here seems to be the fact that the city was popping up all of these relationships with different groups to do the job of testing and vaccinating ad hoc. And to me, it raises this question of why they were even doing that. Like, I mean, the city has a Department of Health. Why couldn't they distribute the vaccine themselves? And was that even considered? At a hearing on Friday, the health commissioner was asked that question, whether or not it had been considered that the health department could just do this job. 
And he said he didn't know if that had been considered. And he wants to know just as badly as anybody else why it wasn't if it wasn't. And um, that came as a surprise to me. I mean, uh, he, he, Health Commissioner Tom Farley has said he doesn't know the answer to a lot of questions that everybody wants answered, um, sort of putting some distance between himself and uh, the decisions that were made that led to this group having any amount of responsibility or power. Um, it raises this question of what questions he does have the answer to. Right. I mean, one thing that he has made abundantly clear through practice is that the health department could have done that work because it's now doing it in in order to fill the gaps where people who have received their first dose from Philly fighting COVID, uh, but not their second dose and need to get that second shot. Um, the health department is basically taking up the mantle where PFC left off and is running a clinic at the convention center to give people second doses. So they're doing it. They're literally doing it. There's no question about whether they could or couldn't because they are. Part of what's so concerning about the way this all went down is that the communities that Philly Fighting COVID has been serving, namely Black communities, are already struggling to get health care. A lot of reporting in Philadelphia has focused on the fact that what has happened here could really break the public's trust with their health systems. And I'm wondering... If as you talk to regular people out there, people who are still thinking about getting vaccinated, whether they feel like this incident makes them more or less likely to get vaccinated or trust the process. Yeah, I think that's of an enormous concern. You know, um, you have a city here in Philadelphia that's 44% black. And the most recent numbers I saw, you know, it's like 12% of the people who have been vaccinated are black. Like that's an enormous, enormous disparity there. And we know that there's a greater rate of hesitancy among African-American communities. And, you know, I was, I was talking to some advocates who were saying like, yeah, you look at an instance like this and people who were wary of this entire process because they have historical mistrust of the medical system watch how this all went down and they say, see, I told you that is why I didn't want to do this. This this is how the process works. You know, these they give they hand the reins to these kids for no reason. And I'm sure glad I didn't sign up for this. Um you know, I mentioned the the Black Doctors COVID-19 Consortium, and, and that's a group that the city has leaned on really heavily to get the message out to the Black community here about, you know, the risks of COVID, about where you can get tested. And I think they want to do the same for the vaccine. But the fact that they didn't partner with that group and they partnered with this group, and now they're sort of asking that group to to help clean up their mess in a sense, it puts them in a, in a disadvantaged position. So it's a big hole to climb out of. There was a real startup Silicon Valley vibe to the way Andre DeRoshan had been running his business. Philly fighting COVID promised to speed up vaccine distribution by getting rid of unnecessary paperwork. It was slick, ambitious, proudly disruptive. But the conclusion Nina comes to is that there may be some things that are worth doing slowly or at least deliberately. I mean, everybody is anxious to get the vaccine. Everybody is eager for life to return to something resembling normalcy as soon as possible. But 
that doesn't mean you can cut corners, you know? And like the best practices that DeRoshan was so committed to disrupting and throwing out the window in this case, especially in the healthcare field, are there for a reason. And I think there's this constant balance between getting things done quickly and getting things done in a right and equitable way. And that's a tricky act to balance. And in Philadelphia, we got it wrong. The scales tipped towards efficiency, and now we're paying the price. And I think that it's important to remember there is a reason to be intentional. There is a reason to be patient. And in the long run, those things will pay off. Um, and, and so I guess from, a, from, from an individual perspective, I'm trying to harness that attitude and stay patient. Nina Feldman, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, it's been really great to be here. Nina Feldman is a healthcare reporter at WHYY in Philadelphia. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Davis Land, Daniel Hewitt, and Elena Schwartz. We are helped every day by Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. And I'm Mary Harris. You can go track me down on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. Meanwhile, I'll catch you back here tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.